Hi everyone, welcome to Model Student. I'm your host, Alexander Rain, and today's episode is with Tony Redmere. He's a test photographer who works primarily with model development um, with an emphasis on ethical retouching. This is, I mean, goodness gracious, I always say this is my favorite conversation with every episode, but this conversation felt um, especially honest and vulnerable in a lot of ways and I think for people who are wanting to start modeling this would be a really good episode to listen to if you're interested in photography this would be a really great episode to, this is just a great episode to listen to point blank and um Tony is such a lovely <laughs> oh my gosh I had tried to record and yep, the, it's back on. The gardeners are back on. I'm officially in LA, and I feel like instances like this are going to be happening often. Um, let me just say this really quickly, and then we can get into the episode. Tony is such an empathetic, incredible person, hence the title. I hope you enjoy this episode. I love you so much. Don't forget to leave a rating and review. Tony, welcome to Model Student. Um, I'm so excited to have you on and talk to you today. Before we get into, I don't feel like this is like an expose, but I kind of do feel like it's an expose of the industry. Um, before we get into that, um, I'll just have you tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So I'm Tony Redmer. Um, I'm a fashion photographer. Um, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, moved around quite a bit, and yeah, it's been a wild ride. I've been doing um, fashion photography for now six years, and I mostly work in LA and New York, um, but I live in Austin, Texas, my little home base, so yeah. <laughs> nice, lovely. Um, is there, do you have any fun facts, any any pressing things that we should know about you personally before we get into business? Um, honestly, I, well, I'm really obsessed with kind of learning new skills. So I am constantly, if I don't have something that I'm like trying to learn from scratch, then I go kind of crazy. So lately I've been doing, I know we've talked about this other shoot actually, but uh, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of like climbing and bouldering and that's yeah. been really fun. And it's been distracting me because I can't monetize it. So yeah. To... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's nice though. I think it's so important to have a hobby that you're not like that's like outside of trying to make any money and that you just do for fun, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, it's so important. And I actually feel like my friend Cindy's model and she was on the podcast and she said like having something outside of the industry is like so important to keep you like <laughs> for lack of a better word, mentally stable. But I love yeah. that. It's amazing. No, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we're a big trip or something whatever toxic stuff you've kind of experienced <laughs> yeah that means like at least you always have this kind of sacred space you know yeah um, where you can reset and remind yourself that the world is so much bigger than the fashion industry totally 
really helpful. <laughs> yeah, to get a bigger picture. So you said that you started photography six years ago. What drew you to photography? Why did you want to start? Yeah, so actually, I it's kind of funny. Um, I always wanted to be a field scientist growing up. Um, and I think it was just this attachment to being working outside yeah. um, and traveling to places and having a purpose there. And in high school, I actually had a friend um, who was a photographer and we went on a couple trips together and like he would take pictures of me, I would take pictures of him and it was so much fun. But I was like, ah, that's his thing. Like, yeah. I'm not going to, you know. So then I just kind of ignored it completely as an idea. I was uh, ended up going to school as a um, classical uh, performance major. And so I like did not think about photography at all. I didn't even know the fashion industry existed because yeah. I grew up kind of in the woods and it's <laughs> never really like told us that hey, we didn't have like fashion magazines laying around or anything. Yeah. I thought that the models in campaigns were just people who worked at those stores. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, about... I think it was my freshman year of college, I actually got scouted by this little kind of dinky agency um, in Texas. And that was this whole whirlwind of what this industry exists. So I was kind of modeling for a while. Um, and I got a little, I personally got a little bit bored because yeah. I'm like one of those crazy skill. Like, yeah, I was like this, I feel like I'm not sure what skill I'm supposed to be working on right now. And yeah. it just wasn't like, didn't feel like the right thing for me to be doing. Um, but I, I got in this, uh, it was the classic Texas moment. I actually was driving down an interstate um, at 2 a.m. And there were no lights. And I hit a cow uh, going 70 miles an hour. And I flipped seven times across the bridge and somehow was completely fine. Um, and... Oh my god. <laughs> that happened. I yeah, my um I was just like, you know what? Let me just mess around with photography. <laughs> I had already been given a camera by my mom. Yeah. Uh, and she she gave it to me kind of as a joke because she was like, Oh, there's already so many pictures of you. Now you can go make more. Yeah. You know? um, and so after that car accident. I was just like, you know what? I'm done compromising. So mm. I went full into full into focus into fashion photography. I completely changed the way that I even like considered myself as a fashion photographer because before I had been kind of messing around with it, but I was doing shoots with kind of what I thought the industry wanted. Like I would do yeah. lots of makeup. I would do full, like really complicated looks that are kind of over the top and honestly looking back pretty tacky. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> It's kind of like part of the journey. And For then once sure. that happened, I was like, you know what? This doesn't, none of that resonated with me. Like what I really want to do is I want to kind of connect back to the innocence that I had before I knew this industry even existed mm. and try and kind of, I went this whole like natural beauty route. And then since then it has been crazy. Yeah. So that's like a really no. <laughs> kind <of> Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love, I love the detail. One, I'm so glad that you're okay. I mean, nobody listening knew, but my jaw literally <laughs> dropped. Like, I'm so glad that you're okay. And that it sounds like almost like a near death, like epiphany moment of clarity. Is that how, 
Yeah, not to be really, really dark, but in a moment like that, that happens in such a split second, it's it's that you accept that your time is, is done. Mm. And so it was that kind of process of going to that place mentally and yeah. then taking like six months to recover yourself from having that like very real thought. Yeah. And then that's where I really had like a lot of evaluation. Um, but yeah, very lucky. Right? Yeah, like, no. I didn't have any real injuries other than just um, becoming like having like old person oh my gosh yeah so after the accident and after like I loved what you said about kind of reverting back to like this innocence did you have any mentors guiding you through that or was it kind of figuring it out all on your own yeah it was it started pretty deeply personal um yeah and yeah, even there's actually a part of that story too, which I had kind of let out, left out, which was this was this took me a while. Um, it yeah. took me about kind of a year of personal reflection, and then I actually had a second accident where I hadn't been going to the chiropractor and doing the good work I should have been doing <laughs> on my back and spine. Yeah, and so um, I was at the end of a workout one day, and I just did a push up the wrong way. And I herniated uh, a disc in my neck. And so I ended up back at the chiropractor and they told me like, okay, well, you're not going to be able to hold the camera up for who knows how long now. And um, I had another miracle recovery. And once, once I was like round two, you're like, wait, (laughs) what's going on here? Yeah. It was like, all right, another interruption. Um, And I, that's when I started testing a lot so in texas i have there's a mother agency i work with a lot here um and i had worked with that agent before um kind of before i had all this focus on the natural beauty stuff uh and we i just talked i was just like look um devin who you've met yeah i love her she's so sweet (laughs) i was like devin um, I want to figure out how to shoot studio lighting like it's natural light and like went yeah. through my whole list of things with her. And um, at the time, we had barely really talked. We had just done a couple of shoots together. Yeah. But we went on this six-month binge where we just were on set together, seriously, like two or three times a week, just nonstop yeah. doing um, tweaking lights and trying to figure out how can we kind of create a new more natural standard for shooting human standard too for shooting people yeah and we ended up like becoming best friends and it's just like this whole whirlwind of yeah awesomeness but that's really how I ended up on that path yeah I want to jump ahead a little bit talking about um how you prioritize natural beauty and also ethical retouching which I don't know if I should admit this, but like as I, because growing up, it's like you see all these like highly, highly, highly edited images and as a model, when you like get images back and I'm like, wait, my blemish is there. And I'm like, wait, no, 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 that's good. That's fine. Like I have that in real life. I should have that in the photo. Like it's, that's what I look like. But I feel like there's been such a disconnect within fashion photography of, um, uh, how do I, like, 
well, for, I mean, for lack of a better word, like creating body dysmorphia or just like from completely altering an image. So how, so many questions I want to ask, but first, what's your opinion on the industry's history of retouching images? Yeah. So, um, I think that one, there's multiple kind of aspects that are always at play and it's this dynamic where you have artists saying things like my work is a fantasy um which is in my opinion a very there's a lot of ego oriented statements and stuff that exists in our industry that's natural in an arts-based industry to have that but um that to me is a very dangerous kind of uh path because it disregards the fact that your subject is a human being you know, yeah. your, your work can be a fantasy if your subject is a tree, but <laughs> this is a living, breathing person. Yeah, um, yeah. Right? And so there's that aspect that's usually at play, and then there's the commercial side, right, um, where when you're selling a product, there's all this kind of, like, natural... Um, I think commercially it's viewed as a form of minimalism to yeah. bring focus to the clothing or something, but that's kind of another thing that I think is being phased out a bit. But when we first started retouching images, it was on film and the practices that are used to physically retouch a photo are actually extremely, they're very extreme. Yeah. <laughs> you're burning a photo, you're, there's all kinds of like really intense manipulation where you've basically taken this um, flat image that was a real thing. And mm. then you've now basically, for lack of a better word, smudged shit all over it. And then now it's like, okay, yeah. this is now retouch. And and what actually happened in, you know, the nineties when programs like Photoshop came into the picture, yeah. we didn't we didn't rethink the way that we retouched images. We just mm. took the practices that we were doing physical images and brought that to digital images. Yeah. But retouching digital images is a completely different medium. And so um, for me, during that period of kind of research, that was one of the big epiphanies I had was we didn't, our industry didn't stop to rethink digital retouching. Yeah. Um, and those tools are very different. And the, the kind of super fine level that we can go into retouch is now so extreme yeah. that we are approaching it in my opinion with the attitude of the way we retouched film which was less precise right mm. and so when you're less precise but you're doing it at a granular level that becomes very very dangerous yeah um, and yeah and you know there's there's always this balance too because i have my my path is I would love to be able to not retouch at all. Yeah. But I still, even myself, have to make money to survive. And yeah. so it's always kind of a relationship that I have to build with an agent or a client to kind of find whatever the, the path of like the, the least amount of retouching I could possibly get away with. Totally. Um, and, and then the other part is like doing that um, in person instead of in post yeah and that's huge because have you seen i'm sure you've seen like airy or some of those campaigns or like the early when target started um not really re not retouching yeah right um what's so fascinating about it is that i think there's almost no right answer because when target started not retouching it was like 
okay, but these images look completely retouched. It's because they were doing in-person, perfect lighting, perfect skin, perfect, like everything was perfect in reality. So it's like, you're still presenting a unrealistic kind of image, but it's not retouched. And when you say that unrealistic, uber unrealistic image is not retouched, it could possibly be more damaging than saying image is retouched, right? Yeah. Because it's like, when you see something is retouched, it's okay, that's not real. Like you have that in your mind, like that's, yeah. there's, that's not real. But if somebody says this work isn't retouched and that's true, then it's like, that was real. <laughs> yeah, totally, <laughs> you know? totally. I know it's yeah. this interesting thing of like, like, even with, like, social media, knowing, like, oh, okay, this is, like, a curated image, and, like, separating it, well, this is totally tangential, but now with, like, casual Instagram, it's, like, oh, wait, this is, like, seemingly effortless, and this still looks, like, perfect and so cool. I feel like maybe that's a parallel to not retouching, but having, doing it in live time, and making sure everything on set is perfect, versus going in afterwards, and making all the tweaks um how how do you feel have you I'm curious because you talked about how much you can get away with do you feel like you've what's the least amount you've done on a photo that a client has been okay with oh zero okay (laughs) zero yeah yeah um, in fact I'm I'm very fortunate um yeah I would say that particularly for my like non-agency clients um i'm usually able to do zero and a big part of that is because i've been learning how to shoot like in person with specific lighting matching to different faces different skin tones and all of that like holistic process and approach so that the non-retouched photos um they still have that level of like i guess visual clarity and stuff that clients kind of expect but they're still real and then I try and um be very intentional with them so that they have this kind of uh, rawness to them still so that they don't it's clear like because it does bother me how processed targets unretouched photos look right yeah I I want to be able to to do that process of like here's the unretouched thing in perfect lighting in perfect conditions but it still should be something that you can kind of connect to right? yeah and be like oh there's a person there like, totally I could see this person with my own eyes yeah <laughs> yeah <Yes>. absolutely <laughs> with you've talked about I from how I perceive it like humanity is kind of at the center of your photography which I feel like is rare for like fashion photographers specifically because usually it's about the clothes or the product or a fantasy like you said what do you feel like then going off of that is the moral this sounds so dramatic but the moral obligations of a photographer when it comes to editing or shooting or keeping that humanity alive yeah um I think about this literally every day yeah uh, because a lot of my work is is model development and so um there are I always start thinking about this as where is the image going? Mm. Is the image going to be 
an image that's passed around inside of the industry and not be public facing? Is it something that is a campaign that's going to be on billboards or wherever, you know? Um, I think that's where the moral obligation begins because those are very different frameworks, right? If I'm doing an image for a model that's going to be passed around throughout the industry, then my obligation is to the model. It's not to the audience that receives the image. It's just to the model. And so that's where there may be different kinds of flexibilities in my practice that are used to kind of help that person because the objective of the image is to help um, build their career as safely, effectively, and meaningfully as possible, right? But if the image is outward facing, then in my opinion, you have a massive responsibility on your hands because the damage, just the damage that um these kinds of highly doctored images have on our society is constantly underplayed i know we have millions of news articles that are like look at how bad this is but what we what we often forget about is that they affect children like they affect people at the ages of six to eight you know they're six to eight years old a third of children that age state that they have recognize that like they're judged on their bodies i mean that's absolutely insane and it's getting worse right and then we also don't think about and we think about specific demographics and we like to compare pain right so we'll be like well women deal with more men deal with less and it's like we overgeneralize these kind of spaces and we start to forget that this is a holistic thing that affects every single type of person right and we can compare pain whatever but it shouldn't affect people (laughs) you know we should we need to find the answer because and it's it's not just the fashion industry there there are a lot of spaces where these kinds of pain exists in every form of media every form of information that's passed around right um Yeah. So I think we have an immense responsibility. Uh, and as fashion photographers, it's, um, you are, you are selling beauty usually. And so that's an even deeper, more direct layer of you are specifically saying this person who's has a career, quite frankly, because of the way they look wearing these clothes, which are expensive because of the way they look and the marketing that goes into them. So it's very, it's very pointed. And when our, when our words and our like communication is pointed as pointed as that is, that's when we need to be the most careful. Oh my God. I'm just like sucking that all in. I (laughs) am, you're so eloquent, but selling beauty, that needs to be like your memoir title, truly like just that phrase alone. It really (laughs) is like, oh shit, what are we doing? But absolutely. It is, I mean, it is, uh, it's hard because I think, I mean, I grew up in the early 2000s where like tabloids were like rampant and now, like I had Instagram when I was 12, which now looking back, I'm like, oh my God, that is way too young. But I did always have an impression of like, this is beautiful. And then subconsciously, oh, this is not. Because if this is what's being presented as good, then the opposite of that then must be indirectly bad. Right. And you, I've talked to you privately a lot about like representation and inclusivity and how you can kind of tell what uh, agency stands for by what their board looks like. Do you feel like, let me think how I want to phrase this. 
do you think, because I feel like I have maybe blindly been like, the industry is changing, the industry is changing. Do you think it is actually, or do you think it is still like, okay, we've gone up maybe like half a centimeter and we still have miles to go? Yeah, so um, we're in a very performative industry. Yeah. Um, every form of media is, right? So for me, there are always moments where you see something happen and you're like, oh my gosh, yes, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I have to remind myself, like, yes, feel great in this one moment, but until I see structural change and systems change, that's when I know something is actually happening. So... Um, I can say that as somebody who works pretty deep into the, the insides of this industry, yeah. um, I have actually noticed pretty significant structural change, especially <laughs> over the past, yeah, <laughs> over the past um, four years, um, yeah. particularly with um, there's the tradition of being a narcissistic ego mean person yeah uh, is is really starting to be pushed back on um, it still lingers at <laughs> yeah. the higher levels of the industry but there is a huge shift of people um people like like me or like the agents or you even like to just everyone being yeah. like you know i don't think i enjoy working with with jerks yeah right yeah um and and usually the mindset and the kind of legacy beliefs that belong to that older um i don't even want to say older because it's not necessary it's not an age thing it's a perspective yeah, thing for like sure that, that kind of dated perspective um they that is less powerful now than being kind and when you're these kind genuine human beings tend to be more um inclusive yeah and, and more focused on representation and so there is a shift um there's actually quite a huge shift right now yeah um, the but with any big change there's always you know, the natural concern of how yes we're shifting but like let's not forget about all of the the layers that exist here definitely um, because naturally a performative industry <laughs> yeah absolutely and you work um quite a bit with curve models and body positivities I would say at the center of your work at least as like someone who's worked with you and as like someone who really loves your work and is a consumer of it um definitely you pri you prioritize it I feel like, as with anything that gets, um, you know, kind of popular, especially on the internet, I feel like there's so many different opinions on what it is, what it even means. So how would you define body positivity? Yeah, um, honestly, I think comfort, mm. right? Because we, I've always believed that confidence itself is just somebody being comfortable right yeah but but with our bodies um we have i mean i think a lot of people don't actually think about this yeah. but we have even certain kinds of movements we do with our body that make us uncomfortable like yeah for when i was so i struggled with body dysmorphia a lot when i was in um high school and middle school because I just could not no matter what I did yeah. I could not gain weight and I um I would eat 
like I would go to a, a fast food place called Sonic. I think it's yeah. in the US. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I would go to Sonic and I would eat four of those value menu like chicken sandwiches yeah. for lunch. And then I would have like two large tater tots and I would just like, it hurt and I would force myself to eat it because yeah. I was tired of being so, so small. Yeah. And, um, and so I think about range of motion when I was in, when I was during that time period where it was really hard for me, um, I felt uncomfortable moving my arms away from my body. And, yeah. you know, and just the, just something that small and simple is so kind of opaque in how it affects just everything. It's just a yeah. domino effect of, of discomfort. Right. And so, um, and those kinds of restricted ranges of motion, maybe it's like, you don't feel comfortable with how much your arms move when you walk because you feel like your arms are jiggling more than you want them to, or, yeah. you know, or every, or, um, for a lot of people, especially as they go from their like early twenties into their thirties, a lot of people have had like a kind of natural, um, thigh gap, regardless of what their size is. Yeah. And the thing that like gets really in your head when that goes away, um, can be something as simple as like, Oh, I remember that it felt different when I walked, you know? For and sure. so I think body positivity, um, the movement should, in my opinion, should always be about kind of this release of, of these um, kind of boundaries, even yeah. physical boundaries that we've created. Um, and there are actually a lot of exercises that people can do to feel more comfortable with their body. It's yeah. also why, you know, like yoga is, is so popular yeah. um, cross size as well. But um, there are other exercises beyond yoga that are actually really effective at allowing you to reclaim space that mm. you have felt uncomfortable taking up before, whether that was because you felt too small or you felt too big. Yeah. It's, something that can be reclaimed um so yeah I, I i mean i could talk about it forever no that <laughs> we'll have to have you on for a second episode and it'll just be the body body positivity episode but <laughs> i love that i love feeling comfortable because i think also in a very performative way it's like body positivity is like i'm the best and i look so good always and I love myself on every single day, no matter what, you know, so I, I feel like com comfortability is much more achievable. And I think for me, just because of, I mean, I gave you growing pains, you know, but because of like my childhood and like feeling disassociated and depersonalized, like dance was something that really helped me feel just in my body. And maybe perhaps like that's just the goal is just feeling like your body is yours on another <laughs> completely different <laughs> swing of question because I'm curious if as a photographer if you can see when somebody is comfortable in their body and owns their body can you tell on set yeah. working with people oh yeah a hundred percent and actually that's that's my job yeah um, I think that's the most important part of my job is about releasing insecurity um, and I have a lot of different, I have a lot of different practices that I'll do on set, um, yeah. because every model is, has a completely different background and story, especially when you work across every size boundary, um, you know, and actually I have found that the kind of 
middle points of size boundaries are usually where people feel the least comfortable. Yeah. You're, you're dressed four to six or you're 12, 14, but your 18 plus usually is, is more comfortable and you're like, zero twos are usually more comfortable yeah and your eight tens are but the other spaces are often less comfortable and they have way less representation and there's a lot that could go into saying that but um yeah it's usually about releasing insecurity um i have a new practice where sometimes i work with like really young little babies right yeah sometimes they're like 17 or 16 17 18 yeah um and so that's honestly always the hardest because yeah. they haven't had t- they haven't had enough time to like go be social, go learn yourself. You know, totally. Like, it's so crazy to expect them in that crazy time period of your life, sixteen to eighteen, to be this perfectly comfortable human. No yeah. one was comfortable at that age. You know? No, <laughs> I so, certainly wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same. Um, yeah. And so that kind of release of insecurity it's not something that I'm trying to commit on them for their life you know it's something that's like I know that realistically it's about this two hour time period right now and how can Mm. I help this model get to that place where they feel completely comfortable just for those two hours and then maybe they'll go home and feel terrible about themselves but those two hours (laughs) they can at least always remember what it's like to be completely comfortable you know for sure and I think honestly like as a model it is for me it kind of goes back to like this meditative dance state where if I really feel comfortable on set and like really do feel within my body it's like a really cool experience even though it might sound so stupid because it's like okay you're literally just standing in front of a camera but it does build um confidence in a very if you can achieve that comfortability it's you can get that sense of self, I think. In a, you know, it, yeah, you said um, you're just standing in front of a camera. I can't think of very many things more terrifying for most people than standing in yeah. front of a camera, right? You yeah, know, that's uh, true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a natural, like, multi-layered power dynamic between yeah. on those sets, right? And so, um, and the camera is its own power dynamic and it doesn't have a voice and yeah, is yeah. the eternal source of judgment right so, yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's no difficult to be comfortable I'm glad that you pointed that out especially because you work mostly with new faces which I always that phrase is so funny to me but with <laughs> with new models and development how I mean starting off like in modeling is such a funny experience and you know too because you modeled but with um, models that you have in development, what is that, generally speaking, that experience like working with them on set? Yeah, um, so it, it depends a lot on who they are. And I yeah. think that's kind of the beauty of it is that I get to have a job where, like I was saying earlier, my job is about making people feel comfortable, but also having to be really dynamic in how you interact with different people at different stages of of their lives is is a wild experience. Um, And so I think that with new models, usually, um, because I do, I focus on on new faces um, because I think that 
one not very many people do <laughs> yeah <laughs> because it's actually it's actually a surprisingly thankless job um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah when you work with new faces it's not it's not very frequent that they end up um continuing in the industry mm. in fact yeah um, because of many reasons yeah so, but, yeah but yeah um I think that you know to really answer your question working with with new faces and in development it's about it's it's both about how can i make this person comfortable and how can i like kind of equip them with the knowledge that i think will help not only help their career but also help protect them because yes. there's a lot of there's a lot of danger in this industry yes. and there's a lot of people who are just unwilling to to talk out of fear, you know, they're yeah. afraid to say things that may be demotivating to a model or, yeah. you know, but, but to me, I feel that there is a deep responsibility for anyone in this industry to inform and educate because al almost all of the information is hidden. You know, yes, like, yes. You can go, <laughs> yes. You can go on YouTube right now. Yeah. And you can go learn how to be a software engineer. Yeah. Literally. You yeah. can learn how to be a software engineer and go get a job, <laughs> make it 100 k whatever. But you yeah. cannot go on YouTube and learn yeah. how to be a model. You For can't. sure. Yeah. And if you do, you'll find outdated information. Yeah. Or that maybe was once good. Or you'll find a bunch of stuff that is really unhealthy. Like yeah. telling you that you should yeah. eat a certain way or be any specific kind of way, right? Yeah. Um, so there's no there's no safe kind of source of information. So people yeah. like like me or or especially like mother agents have this deep deep responsibility yeah. in taking somebody who probably already has an opinion of what the industry looks like and what a model looks like, yeah, and just decoding that and basically destroying it and being like, hey. This is what the situation looks like right now. And this, sure. this is how it pertains to you, right? Yeah. Um, that's the biggest, that's like the biggest uh, challenge of it all, really. Absolutely. And I mean, I can say you have been one of the people within the whole modeling world that I feel like just gives it to me straight and won't like bullshit me and will say like, okay this is what it is, like, this image will help you with this, let's shoot this way, because your New York agent will like this, and it's, I hope that the tides are beginning to change, but yeah, there is, I mean, I know everyone says, like, girl boss, gatekeep, gaslight, but that really is, like, the, like this whole space, like, in three words, and I hope it changes, um, but I, if you feel a little better, though, about that, is, I think that, because I have struggled on my end, um, I have struggled a lot with being frustrated about, especially gatekeeping. Yeah. Um, and I think not just with the way the industry is shifting towards basically kindness and humanity, yeah. but um, I think that gatekeeping as it exists now is something that is usually either an accident or done um, out of insecurity, out yeah. of fear that by sharing your knowledge that um, you won't have as much success, right? For sure. Um, which is a crazy thing to, to think because yeah. this, there is opportunity for everyone in this industry. Yeah. It's just, there. it feels like there's very, very, very little. Yeah. And so whenever there feels like there's a scarcity of resources, people get really protected of what little resources they have, right? For sure. So I think usually um, 
in general in this industry, I always try and approach problems or or kind of like things that upset me really yeah. <laughs> with empathy first and try and understand why would somebody do that? Um, and usually there's a there's a good reason. Yeah, if yeah. that reason it may like it's there's a logical reason to it usually. Um, yeah. sometimes that reason is annoying. But Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's there. There's that's such a good point and I love empathy first. Oh my gosh, I, I need you to write a book or do like seminars, truly, because I, and I will be, I will be pestering you like, okay, when can you come on to the podcast again? Because you're so genius and so, we've talked about it, but kind, you're really kind and genuine. And it's been such a pleasure talking to you today, sincerely. And I'm not kidding, like as soon as this Zoom calls it. I'm going to be emailing you to check your schedule, but is there anything else that you feel like we missed that you wanted to share? I feel like we covered so much. I'm like, oh, I need to open my journal and jot all this down. No, really. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think just we'll, we'll end, kind of end with that last piece there is that whenever you're facing a challenging situation in this industry, it's usually because of someone, right? Yeah. And the best way to cope with that instead of um, eternal rage, uh, <laughs> is, to, is to approach it with empathy. Try and understand why they are making the choice they're making. And, yeah. and sometimes it's really simple. Sometimes it's like, I didn't get that casting that I, or I was on option for a month yeah. and I didn't get it and they replaced me with an influencer. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? But, but yeah. Kind of take the empathy approach and be like, all right, well, their business is experimenting right now with mm. a different kind of model, and they think it's going to bring in more revenue, but they don't know, and they're trying yeah. it. And I was the kind of the aftermath of them having that decision, me yeah. not getting that. It wasn't because I'm trash, like that's <laughs> not the reason. Yeah, it's usually almost always not the reason. Um, yeah. and so. I think as a coping mechanism, empathy is incredibly powerful in this industry. You're going to make me cry. I wish I, I wish you were here in real life so I could like just give you a big hug. But it's honestly always, I don't even want to say a pleasure. It's always an honor to be with you, whether I was going to say you're shooting me, but that sounds weird. Whether we're working together in like a traditional photographer model sense, but I... I feel like whenever we're on set together, conversations, like, as they do, like, get kind of chopped up and, like, okay, now try this and, like, let me fix the lighting here. So <laughs> it's been nice to have a full, uninterrupted conversation with you today. And thank you so much. Seriously, Tony, you're such a star. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you.